0: From the University of Alberta Alumni Association, it's What the Job. I'm Matt Ray.
1: When I was in, uh, I want to say grade like two or three, I I used to make these like massive mazes and I would sell them (laughs) in school. And so I'd sell like a 10 page maze maze for like a dollar, a single page for like 10 cents. But I still remember that feeling.
0: On this episode of What The Job, I talk with Joel Huckluck, the CEO and founder of Motiversity and the co-founder of the Mindset app. As an engineering student, Joel found himself drawn to the motivational and inspirational videos he saw on YouTube. After graduation, he turned it into a career, running YouTube channels that distribute motivational messages. We talk about how he learned to develop and maintain a successful YouTube channel, why he finds motivational speakers so inspiring, and how his engineering degree helps him as a CEO. What the job is made possible with the support of our affinity partner, TD Insurance. Did you know that through the TD Insurance Mellish Monics program, University of Alberta alumni are entitled to preferred rates on car, home, condo, and renter's insurance. Save even more by bundling your car and home insurance. To learn more about how you can save, please visit tdinsurance.com slash alumni. So what's your name and what's your job?
1: My name is Joel Huckluck, and I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Motiversity. I'm also the co-founder and CEO of Mindset.
0: And what's let's start with Motiversity. What's that?
1: So Motiversity is one of the largest motivational media companies uh, in the world, actually. And what we do is we create motivational videos, products, content across multiple YouTube channels and brands. YouTube is really our forte. So we have about 10 YouTube channels and four core brands, Motiversity, Motivation Study, Motivation Hub, and t Inspiration.
0: And how did you get, what was the idea behind this? Like, did you see a need for motivational content on social media?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I started listening to motivational speeches back when I was in university. I discovered them when I was doing a degree in petroleum engineering. Uh, when I was struggling through those first few years, started listening to them and, and found a few that really spoke to me. And really taught me so many things, uh, like the value of hard work, really believing in myself, and, and what it really takes to kind of get through hard times. And, and in my case, <laughs> a difficult uh, degree. So that, that's really where I discovered the content. I started YouTube back in uh, 2006 with just kind of gaming channels and 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 doing some fun things. And and those two things kind of came together after university. I started making YouTube videos where I would share my favorite motivational speeches that I listened to. And that's kind of how it all got started.
0: So you felt a need to even, you wanted to share, like, it wasn't just that you you felt impacted by this. And then you thought, I want to impact others as well.
1: So at first it was actually, I was compiling the speeches I like to listen to almost for myself <laughs> into one video. And I would just share them for myself. And then I realized really quickly, actually, that other people were listening in. They were leaving comments and how these videos helped them. And I, I saw right away that you know not only are these helping me, these are actually helping a lot of other people. And the positivity and the and the and just the comments I would read would were just incredible. And our third video on the channel actually got a million views in the first month. So so I, there was it wasn't just a couple comments. We were seeing like all sorts of stories and things come through, and and, and none of it was monetized because I was sharing other people's content at first. Uh, but the, the channel was growing. People were following. And I could just see the opportunity to to really reach and help more people and, and grow a business out of it as well.
0: So, you had just created your own when you started, it, you just made your own channel as sort of a library, as sort of like, I'm going to compile the videos I like. Uh,
1: essentially, uh, when I graduated university, it, it was tough to find jobs it was at the bottom of the oil and gas uh, bubble there, or at the, at the, at the, when oil hit zero dollars was 2016, was when I graduated about seven years ago. And so, um, I was trying to, I was working on all sorts of side things. I, I think I started like three or four YouTube channels. Uh, this, there was a motivational one, of course, uh, called Motivational Minute at the, at the beginning, but I rebranded to Motiversity. There was a few others I tried. There was a, 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 a prank channel. <laughs> there was one called, I think, Expectations Versus Reality. It's probably still there. Uh, but, but all of those ones were kind of struggling along, not doing well. And actually, I, I was even working on a startup I, I started called Beer on Barber. So uh, uh, kind of like trifold mirror where you can cut your own hair, <laughs> uh, straight out of university as well. So I had probably three or four things going on, um, but really it was the motivational videos that, that caught on the fastest and, and was growing so fast, I had to just put everything else aside.
0: You So you were really interested then, I mean, partially based on the circumstances, you said the job prospects just weren't very good at the time due to the fluctuating price of oil and gas did you always think before that, like, were you always entrepreneurial minded? Did you always think before that I'd like to start my own thing? I have my own ideas. Did you, you know, start a, a paper route or something as a kid, something like that?
1: Yeah, exactly. So about I'd say about halfway through my degree, I started to finally realize more so what I wanted to do. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew it was starting my own business or working on business ideas even actually at the time, I was just thinking it would be a side hobby. That's why, I partly why I continued my program, and and I definitely wanted to finish it. But but I thought I would I would be doing some you know business things on the side. I thought it would take a few years, maybe five years, to get you know my own business going. And and even then, I thought maybe that would still be a side project. But I've always been entrepreneurial minded. Um, the earliest uh, case that I remember was when I was in uh, I want to say grade like two or three. I, I used to make these like massive mazes and i would sell them in school and so i'd sell like a 10 page maze for like a dollar a single page for like 10 cents but i still remember that feeling of you know when you're in grade two or three you don't have, usually you don't have any money you did not have an allowance or anything right so that that dollar could be used for a chocolate bar and, and I, I think ever since then um just that and then a few other things since then uh, have really transpired to to me always thinking about new ideas to make money and new ideas to to, to create a, a business and, and a career.
0: What what drew you to engineering as a degree?
1: Uh, you know, part of it was probably my parents, I would say. I was always good at, at math and science. My dad's a math teacher. And so, uh, you know, after, I'd say after high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I started out in, in general engineering, uh, again, because good at math, good science, um, good paying job. Uh, mechanical engineering was something that interested me. And then the more I got into engineering, I started to realize, you know, we live in Alberta and it sounded like a good percentage of chemical and mechanical engineers end up actually working at oil and gas companies here. And so I figured I may as well specialize in petroleum. And I started to learn more about the oil and gas industry here. Actually, it quite fascinated me as well.
0: How often do you find that the things you learned as an engineer are transferring into this world? Because they seem like distinct, different worlds, but I'm sure you've picked up a lot of skills that work out.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, actually. I would say the number one... the number one thing that comes to mind right now at least is engineering is heavily about problem problem solving and so i there's countless times where i'd get to an exam would have no idea how to approach this problem wouldn't look like anything i studied and you'd have to just think through it you have to work through it you have to face something that's completely unknown to you and just kind of rack your mind and just start to start to work through this problem and and there was there was times in engineering where i just figured things out by applying all sorts of knowledge from textbooks and classes and just outside knowledge and maybe high school and what's interesting is after university i kind of approached youtube the same way I was seeing all these youtube channels making a lot of money you know more than a lot of jobs even make in a lot of cases and that wasn't the goal was to make just like tons of money it was just to make some money because i was like if some people can make a million dollars a year on youtube they figured something out right you know there's the people that are have Um, Amazing talents and abilities, but then there's all these other channels that they're faceless channels, even, and or they're just they're just figuring things out on the funny things and you know all sorts of stuff like that. And and I was like, what does it take to you know make a channel make a thousand dollars a month? Like something like that would be a great side income. And so I approached YouTube with that problem-solving mindset, where I just studied YouTube and and I had been you know into YouTube since 2006, and I had already started a channel and learn some of those video editing basics facts that that did help me as well but i would say this some of those skills in, in university of just kind of going into something fearlessly and and studying it until you figure it out <laughs> basically because i knew there was a solution there i just knew like i didn't know how much time it would take but i knew if i spent enough time looking looking at what people are titling things where they how are they creating those those thumbnails and and then of course the videos themselves and and what works on youtube so so I really, I really use that problem-solving approach in in YouTube right after.
0: Take me through the sort of growth of this as a as a company or as a job. Is something that you were like, okay, I can I can live off this because you talked about how you you made this channel. It started taking off. What's the next step?
1: Yeah, so I made the channel and it started taking off. Just like you said, I was working a full time job just doing survey, and so I, I I stuck with the job for kind of as long <laughs> as I could. I remember uh, it was like February of that year, and we just got the YouTube channel monetized. So it's just getting to the point of okay, now it's starting to earn money. And then I knew I had to get work, start working with speakers and get licensed content so that we could actually monetize everything. And so that was really my focus on the side to my full-time job was let's let's try to build this into something that actually earns money, not just gets views. Um, so I started licensing content again, working with speakers and all of our next videos that whole start to the year were all monetized. And so I started seeing the revenue coming in and a couple months later, I I went down to (laughs) part-time. I could see the potential, like just working very part-time on this, that it was already almost catching my, like the amount of money the channel was earning was almost catching my job already uh, per month. And so I went down to part-time kind of as soon as I could. I didn't want to leave fully (laughs) because I was like, what if YouTube, you know it was still too early to say this is like a new thing to, to go into full-time right but even actually just two months after that i want to say like march or april of that year uh the youtube earnings surpassed my earnings at the job like that even if with it, even if it was full-time and so at that time i knew okay if i if i put you know everything i have into this or even just work full-time at this um it could surpass by far my earnings as long as everything goes according to plan uh, and, and at that time, I too, I started to see, again, the opportunity to not only just you know take other people's content, but also to, to build a real company here, because the opportunity I saw at the time was there's a lot of music labels, there's a lot of you know, movie companies, um, but even in particular, I'd say there's a lot of labels working with upcoming artists. Like if you're trying to find an upcoming artist, there's labels fighting for you. On the speaking side, it's completely different. There's really no one. <laughs> there's maybe a couple, a very small handful. You uh, know, looking for upcoming motivational speakers, business speakers, you know, speakers of all types, really. And, and our focus was was the motivational side. So so when I looked around, I saw some some great motivational speakers. Um, they were struggling to figure out like YouTube, get views, but they had the voice, the story, the you know, everything they needed to, to, to be a great speaker. So, you know, it kind of just fits together for us to work with upcoming motivational speakers, similar to a label as how I kind of compare uh, part of what we do. Um, and so I just saw the opportunity, like this is not only just, you know, (laughs) posting other people's content, but also starting a a real, a real business here to, to, uh, to continue to grow with like original content.
0: Like a place to distribute motivational messages by the speakers themselves. Cause I did wonder about the content. I was like, Oh, do you make your own messages? But it seems like you mostly recruit or, or approach speakers and then share, like share their things through your channel.
1: Exactly. So we do a lot of what we call licensing. So we approach a speaker and we either license it exclusively, which means uh, no one else can use it just we can use it. And usually we'll, get, we'll, share, we'll uh, share royalties too with that speaker, kind of like a music label would with an upcoming artist. And, and then it's kind of a win-win scenario where we do the editing and the, and the uploading and the, you know, what we're we going to call this speech to get people to click on the video and they do the, the speech themselves.
0: And what's their audience like? Like when you're thinking about who your general audience is, what, what's the reception and, and who are they? Is, are you thinking about students or is it just anybody?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. So we have uh, about 10 YouTube channels. So Motiversity, and they all have slightly different audiences. So Motiversity's channel itself is more of that um, age, I'd say 20 to 35 audience, uh, kind of young male, even like me. <laughs> like, you know, when I was in university, it was probably the, I was targeting almost people like me, in a sense, uh, because it was the content that I like listen, listening to. Uh, but then shortly after that, within that same first year, I started two more channels. So Motivation to Study is actually our largest YouTube channel with 4 million subscribers. And for that one, I, I took a lot of the speeches from Motiversity, similar audios, like similar motivational, inspiring audios. And then we put study, student uh, footage over top. And we targeted the thumbnails a little bit differently. We said this is, you know, don't quit study motivation instead of, you know, workout motivation. Which I'd say Motiversity is more of that, like workout motivation. Because I, I listen to speeches to usually in two places: the the gym and then studying. So um, those two audiences are are the two that I targeted at first.
0: So you're you're not just the the owner. You're also you're also a, a member. You know, I can't remember that old saying, but like, mm-hmm. so you you appreciate the, uh, the the content that comes in and you use it.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the content. So it's a big help. Like I have the passion for this content for this industry. You know, part of me wants to grow business, but also a huge part of me just wants to listen to the upcoming motivational speakers and discover people and and just have more amazing motivational content to listen to.
0: How long has Motiversity been operating now?
1: It's been seven years now. yeah.
0: And have any of the speakers really taken off since they've come on board?
1: Yeah, to, to some degree. I would have guessed maybe a bit a bit more so than they have um, because they're on Motiversity's YouTube channel. Motiversity has really taken off mm-hmm. and they've taken off with us in terms of royalties. Our videos do well. They do well. In terms of their name taking off, it's been a bit tougher. Um, the biggest we work with right now that we've started from kind of no one knowing is Coach Payne. So Coach Payne started with about 1,000 YouTube subscribers he's just about about to cross a hundred thousand. Uh, we have an album together too, too soon, actually. Um, and the first album we did together has done really well as well. And, and that one's been a success for sure. Yeah.
0: Wow. Do you work? So is this like a, a motivational speaking album, like spoken word or is it, Okay. And yeah, do you work exactly. with like a studio or something for that, or you just help him arrange it or, or what's your role in that? Or is it just all his
1: yeah. Uh, so usually the speaker will record in a studio. So we'll, so coach Payne will go to a studio twice a month, uh, every two weeks or so, and we'll work on work with him on topics. And then he'll really, I mean, he's so talented at just being motivational <laughs> with his speeches. He honestly doesn't need to script anything usually, uh, but some of our speakers do scripts very well as well. And then what we do from there is we, we take the audio, just the raw audio add music, we cut it into pieces. Um, our very first speech with him is at, I want to say, uh, maybe 15 million views now on YouTube. And that one was actually two speeches. So we did like a gym motivation and a life motivation speech, combined them together with music. And it, yeah, it turned out really well in, in post and has just performed really well too.
0: There really is like a label for motivational speakers. It really is like all the things.
1: Yeah, in a lot of ways it is. And Motiversity's channel specifically, some of our other channels get to be a little bit more different. Um, Motivation Hub, for example, we license a lot of interview content. So you have heard of like Lewis Howe School of Greatness or uh, Tom Bilio or we don't license from Tim Ferriss, but Tim Ferriss would be a good example. We use those, inter- we are, we're allowed to and we've permission to use those interviews in our videos on YouTube. And so instead of listening to a full hour long, two hour long interview, what we do is we cut it down into some of its core pieces, uh, usually about eight to 10 minutes. Uh, and then it's just a, it's almost like a different format to listen to that, that content.
0: And is it, are you exclusively on YouTube? Did you branch out to other forms or social media platforms? And when and why did you do that?
1: We were exclusive on YouTube to start. You know, I ran social media at the same time, like an Instagram, that sort of thing. In the last few years, we've diversified to podcasts and the music side. And so the music side is where I would have guessed we would have excelled. It's been tough. There's so many rules and moralities and structure and what music you can use and not use. The podcast side is actually in the last year and a half where we've kind of exploded um, lately. So we have a podcast called motivation daily and it's actually one of the top 50 podcasts uh, on Spotify for all genres.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Pretty
1: incredible. Yeah. It does. It is 4.2 million downloads a month. And the cool thing about it too, is we just take our YouTube audios and we share them to the podcast platforms. We don't actually do specific audios just for the podcast side, and so it, I, I it didn't market it very much. Didn't have very high expectations. Thought it would be a good way of listening to the audios, and yeah, it certainly has been.
0: And you, I'm I'm interested in like what you think, seeing all this like blow up off just something that you were kind of interested in. I mean, obviously, you've always been interested, as you said, in in starting a business, having that sort of side thing. Um, but this seemed also something that it was just personal to you at the start. And now to see it be one of the top 50 podcasts on Spotify, what do you think about that? What, how does that make you feel?
1: Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. I, I feel good <laughs> about it. But I, I don't think I ever would expected it to get this big, especially when starting again. It was, it was meant to be a side hobby. Um, some of the other projects I was working on, like Beer on Barber, for example, I was trying to build into you know companies of sizable size, and so I did have in mind this, you know, uh, attitude of like getting a business to a certain point, hiring people, growing it I Didn't have numbers in mind. And like, let's build a hundred person business or that sort of thing. But, you know, and with Motiversity, it's always just striving for more. So we're, we're right now, we're about 23 people on the Motiversity side. And then we have an app called Mindset and that's a 10 person company as well. So we're about 32 people, 33 people uh, between both companies. Um, and you know, we're we're quite happy with where we are at for sure. But there's you know there's so much more we could be doing, so much opportunity out there, so many more people we could be reaching. So we're always striving to to grow. And I do believe that if we're not growing, usually that means you're you you're decreasing, you're falling, <laughs> you're you're on your way out. So um, yeah, we we just strive to be number one and 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 just you know do everything we can to to keep improving
0: self-motivated I like it um, in terms of things you've learned along the way because it's obviously been quite a journey so far what are some things that you picked up some of the skills you learn I'm thinking about listeners out there who are like I would like to launch a say a YouTube video a sort of platform of some sort we're sharing whatever type of message what are some things that you've learned or some tips you've picked up
1: yeah I mean <clears throat> at the end of the day you got to get started somewhere and so you're better off just starting with something that's anything than than thinking too hard about it at the start. Um, But as you go, uh, we look up to people like Mr. Beast and the secret to his success. If you're familiar with him, he's probably the biggest YouTuber right now. His success is translating to other industries like crazy. Um, And really what he's done is he's got this this mindset of make every video 1% better than the last. And so that's what we try to do. You know, we, we start with something be- better to start the best you can, I guess, for sure. But but um, you, you want to make every video a little bit better than the next one. And you'll never be happy with the first few. Um, I'm trying to grow my personal brand <laughs> this year a little bit. And that's a struggle for me because I'm, I'm super perfectionist with it. But but I know I just have to, like, get started with it, post something to get going, and then just keep making it a little bit better, and, you, and you'll get to the point where it starts to uh, you know, you'll learn editing better. All those, all those little skills, you'll they'll become start to become natural. Um, and there's lots of programs nowadays too, free ones as well, that you can use o- on YouTube to get started. Uh, the other thing I would mention, I guess, if you, if you're interested in starting onto YouTube specifically, is that side of studying YouTube and and figuring out what what you're passionate about and what's also working on YouTube. And when I say what's working on YouTube, so the cha- some of the channels that didn't work out for me, let's <laughs> see lessons learned, were the ones that uh, were new ideas. So they didn't exist on YouTube. So I said expectations versus reality content. There wasn't really anything like that. I thought that would be a great idea because there wasn't anything like that. Um, however, the motivational side, there's lots of motivational videos. And why, partly why that succeeded is because there's already an audience searching for that content and the content is getting played after that content as what's called suggested video views. So people are watching a motivational video and yours is playing next. And so you're getting views that way. But if you're making content that's brand new, doesn't have similar titles, or it doesn't look like anything on YouTube, it's a lot harder to get started.
0: YouTube is interesting too, as a I think an industry, because it's not very old, if you think about it. I mean, while well, YouTube started in 2004, 2005, like... That's not so long ago compared to traditional media, for example. So, and always, I assume, constantly evolving. And do you, you must follow trends and, and does that influence the way that you make content?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's been a, quite an algorithm change this year, actually. But, you know, most years there is, I'd say. But <laughs> um, some of the most notable ones for us is YouTube introduced, because uh, copyright's the issue that we've always been challenged with. Like, obviously, we need to license the content, we can't just pull from anywhere, we need permissions. Does YouTube care? All those sort of things. And if you get three copyright strikes, you can get your channel terminated. Hmm. So we've had to be extra careful for that reason. You could lose it all for, for termination. Uh, but the second policy that YouTube created themselves, which isn't really like a law or, you know, copyright's a, a law, but when it comes to YouTube policies is a policy called reuse. So YouTube invented this policy called the yeah, the reuse policy where you're not supposed to take other content and reuse it on YouTube. And that's really what our specialty is is we take you know people's content and you know edit it uh, create almost like a movie out of it and and, and share it to youtube so that, that's been a challenge and and the problem too with it is what youtube's policy of like ten thousand people scanning youtube for this <laughs> um is is there uh they'll immediately demonetize your channel if you get if they if the youtube reviewer decides it's reuse reuse content and there's a lot of gray area like they say highly creative edits isn't reuse however um reposting your favorite interview clips is reuse and so where is the line between that is always the the challenge to to figure out but yeah it's just something that you know we have to manage we have to stay up with, uh, on par with and for our, on our side continue to make as much original content as we can
0: and what do you do you have plans? I mean, I don't, I don't mean to get you to review to reveal any master plans or anything about but when you look to the future, are you thinking about just YouTube and where you can grow there and how you can do things differently? And you're talking about this increase by, you know, 1% every time always do things better. But um, are you thinking about different avenues, different venues, or are you just really focused on that sort of incremental improvement on what you already do?
1: yeah yeah it's a good question so we also have a company called mindset mm. and so mindset is our company for what we call tech tech and distribution so we're on the so motiversity is really the content production company where we're pushing out new content on youtube across multiple brands and then mindset was created to be a separate platform from youtube so we have the mindset daily motivation app uh, we just crossed i want to say two hundred thousand users on the app wow. over the last three three four years it's been a it's been a slow and steady climb we haven't seen that like hockey stick that we're looking for yet, um, but but well enough to that we have a small team around the around the app, and we're constantly pushing out new new features, and and, and do see the potential in, in that side. You know, if the motivational space and personal development space continues to grow, the app should continue to, to do do uh, well as well. And then mindset also has a second division, which is uh, called mindset DRM, uh, which we're actually about to rebrand, but maybe I'll go into that. <laughs> Um, but Mindset DRM is Mindset Digital Rights Management, where we actually manage the rights to many speakers and we license them to creators like Motiversity and like our channels. And so we actually have the um, exclusive licensing rights for uh, Alan Watts is one, like, so a philosopher who passed, a famous philosopher who passed away in the 70s. We have the rights to about, I can't remember how many audios, like maybe 200 audios of his that we allow other creators to use. So there's uh, if you search Alan Watts on YouTube, all the videos on there would be uh, licensed to those creators uh, from us, and a few others, including uh, Zig Ziglar. We manage all of his rights, and some university speakers as well. And it's an early, it's an early um, uh, division for us, or program, or I guess business for us, uh, the digitized management side. But it certainly has potential to scale if we can really figure out uh, the best model for it. Currently, it's a revenue share model, which is which is quite complicated, um, but. It does, it does provide, um, you know, more of a fair platform for both the creator who's taking this content and uh, the speaker who's being used in the content.
0: Jen, is there any questions I missed that we want to get to? Otherwise, I'll go, I'll go right to the lightning round.
1: It's not really about missed, but I do have some curiosity and you can decide whether to ask these questions or not. The first one is kind of about how you were working on your own, like driven by your own inventiveness and curiosity and stuff. And then you went with a team Mm -hmm. and just how that That transition was for you getting into working with other people and how you built that. And then the other question that you cannot answer if you don't want, uh, it's more from my personal thinking as we go through an interview on these entrepreneurs is how is it working in Edmonton on like a tech thing? It's not Mm -hmm. normally what I would associate with Edmonton and some of the entrepreneurship we've spoken to over what the job I do wonder about, about Edmonton and whether there's any limitations or whether we're living in a time where it doesn't really matter where you live. So those are the two questions that kind of came into my mind as I was listening to Joel.
0: Okay, I'll ask, I don't know, do you have an answer for the second one? Do you want me to ask that one as well, Joel? Or?
1: Yeah, I could definitely touch on it. I okay. mean, LA is kind of the hub for YouTube, so I could touch on how we're managing that. Yep.
0: I'll just ask I'll just ask both because I thought about the team one as well. So um, I'll, I'll just start now. So you started off, you were working on your own, you launched the channel. Uh, at what point did you decide you needed to expand to a team, and what was that like?
1: Pretty quickly actually, I, I found that the channel started doing so well that you, know, you could easily support a team member. Uh, you had no experience hiring or anything like that, so that was you know, the barrier. But because of the growth of the channel when I was full-time on it, even within, again, the first few months, um, I could see that you know, we could support uh, an editor uh, was the first thing that came to mind for me because there was taking the videos, uploading them, but editing them, editing them would take two days um, each video. And so it's just not scalable to to make more videos without a without a team. And, and so it seemed pretty uh, obvious for me that I need to find a, a video editor pretty quick. And then, of course, I had ideas for more channels. So it's, I think even before I hired my first editor, I started a second YouTube motivational channel, Motivation to Study. And then by then, I'm running two channels, not getting videos out every week, um, and it, but they're doing well. So it, it was a pretty obvious move to, to me to, uh, to start to hire.
0: Yeah. And the other thing I'm wondering about, we're doing this series on entrepreneurs. So we've talked to a lot of Edmonton-based entrepreneurs, but not a lot of tech. So I'm curious, what's it like uh, doing this, working in this field in Edmonton?
1: Yeah, Edmonton is great for a lot of reasons. Um, cost of living, you know, cost to have a team. The Place everyone goes when you're a big YouTuber is LA. So most of the interview shows are there, almost probably 90% of them. If you're not there, people fly there to do their interviews and to do YouTube. Uh, you know, YouTube's even there too, their their headquarters. Uh, but again, cost of living is is a factor there. Um, the, the talent is there. The cost of the talent is also there. So you're gonna be paying a lot more for a video editor who's got that YouTube knowledge. Um, we've really taken the the steps and, and had the mindset of, of training so finding great people and and doing what i did which is you know studying youtube learning how to edit learning how to grow a youtube channel and we have editors producers designers um, you know a variety of different roles and and really everyone most people had some basics so in edmonton you can find a lot of videographers so a lot of people into video with vancouver being a movie hub there's a lot of people that live in Vancouver or want to go do movies in Vancouver that even live in Edmonton. So we'll, we'll post a job for a video editor position, for example, and I get quite a few people, uh, usually over 100 people interested in, in that role. Uh, so we have you know, enough to go through and, and find someone who's it's really someone who's interested in the, or like could be good at the role. It is hard to find people talented at YouTube in Edmonton <laughs> because it's, I, Edmonton is not uh, right yet at least uh, a YouTube hub. Um, but again, we take that, that perspective of let's find someone who's got the talent, maybe can understand the mixing of audio. So we have, we've hired like an audio engineer before that sort of thing. And then we teach them the YouTube side.
0: Hmm. Excellent. This has been a great conversation. It's now time to move over to the lightning round. We ask all our guests, these questions are pretty straightforward. Um, the first one is, have you ever been fired from a job? I
1: have never been fired.
0: When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, good question. What did I want to be, well, I don't
1: think I knew what I wanted to be. To be honest,
0: too many ideas, yeah. too many, too many other jobs kicking around in your <laughs> head. Uh, what's something you wish people knew about your job? And you can talk about this from the perspective of either being an entrepreneur or perhaps making content for YouTube. Hmm.
1: Um. Uh, I think uh, YouTube is a, a great place to reach more people and, and also to earn money while you do it. Whereas, you know, everyone's a lot of people have Instagram and a lot of people have TikTok. But uh, again, you can reach people, but you, you won't get paid uh, to do so in, in most cases.
0: What's some advice that you might have for someone who feels like they're stuck in their current job, like they're in some sort of career rut?
1: Yeah, my advice would be to to try things. If you're not sure if you're in the right right job for you, uh, explore what's out there. There's there's so many jobs out there, and and, and what I did actually at a university because I was in that almost exact place is I, I pulled out a piece of paper and I simply wrote a list. I think I wrote down 10 things that I like. Um, and what's interesting is the top two were were um, YouTube and and working out was number two. Those are one and two. And really, Motiversity became YouTube with motivational workout videos. So.
0: I would also say that someone in a rut might want to check out Motiversity for some some messages, some positive messages. Um, what, Absolutely. What, what's uh, what's something? What do you think you'd be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing now? What kind of job do you think you'd have?
1: Well, I'd probably be in engineering uh, still, <laughs> but if I wasn't, uh, honestly, a uh, I'm quite entrepreneurial, so I have lists of business ideas. And something I struggle with on a day-to-day basis is just too many ideas and not enough time. So, I, if I wasn't doing this business, I would definitely be working on a different. One.
0: What's your favorite thing about what you do now?
1: I would say, you know, it's great. Obviously, being a CEO, and I think choosing the direction of the company, and there's so many great things about I think having your own company. So. I would, I would encourage people to to go that path if, if it interests them, or, or find the right company for them. Yeah.
0: If you could go back in time and talk to yourself just after you graduated, what would you say? Or what advice would you have for yourself?
1: Uh, start writing those business ideas out <laughs> and and start working on them. Uh, and don't just choose one, but but work on a couple of them because you never know what's going to work out.
0: Well, it's been so good to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. Thanks, Matt. It's
1: been great to talk to you as well.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of What the Job? And a special thanks to our guest, Joel Huckluck, for talking to us about his career. And as always, a reminder that the best place for alumni to connect with other alumni about jobs, mentorship, or volunteer opportunities is the online platform Switchboard. It's free and you can try it out today at uab.ca slash sboard. It's a great tool no matter where you are in your career journey. That's all for this episode. For What the Job, I'm Matt Ray. See you next time.